Hello, spooky friends, and welcome to a new episode of PhD Paranormal, where a pair of normal PhDs talk to you about all sorts of spooky things. I'm Dr. Ed. I'm Dr. Evan. And we are going to kick you off with a nice and fun conversation today. We're going to kick them off? Yes. Oh, dear. Well, not hard. Oh, okay. What are we doing today? So, Ed. Yes. You're going to die. I'm going to die. I die a little bit every day. That's sad. Well, it's true. Inside or... Oh, I'm dead inside. Oh, all right. (laughs) Well, but we're all going to die. Yes. Sorry if there's any child (laughs) listeners who are like, no. (laughs) But yes, we're all going to die. Yes. And after we die, things are done with our bodies. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that sounded bad. Yes. Phrasing. (laughs) Um, Yes. I mean, I don't know how else to phrase it, but basically, family members, loved ones, will dispose of your body. Yes. In some fashion. Yes. So my question for you is, how do you want them to do that? Composting. That was fast. Like, in a compost bin where they're going to, like, move you around? Uh... Well, in truth, there is, um, there's kind of a new movement going across the United States about composting as a way of disposing of human remains. Obviously not composting for food growth things, because people think that would be a weird thing, but composting for other sorts of vegetation, um, in part because uh, cemeteries are full, um, it's expensive, cremation puts all sorts of bad chemicals into the air because we all have these hard metals in our bodies. So... I probably won't be composted. I'll probably be cremated, to be true. But it's hmm. an interesting story. Hmm. Well, like, so are there states where composting is legal? You know, I don't know. I seem to think I heard this on NPR because I'm that type of smart listener. I listen to NPR. Shout out to public radio. <laughs> but um, I, I think it was in New York State they were talking about it. Or maybe it wasn't even in the United States. Maybe it was some European thing mm-hmm. that I was listening to. But it, it kind of intrigued me. Um, and the way that they were talking about it is that you would actually, it would be basically a big composting center, but I don't really remember much more about it. I mean, it, it sounds very Soylent Green. Yes. As long as you don't, but Soylent Green, they ate them. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is like a processing plant for the bodies. Sure. So if you were to be composted, do you want that because it's more environmentally friendly? Uh, it sounded hip, cool <laughs> at the time. Hey, I'm jiggy with it. I'm up with what the kids want to do. You're going to be dead at that point. I might care. My ghost might care. Yep, there we go. The skepticism. Right (laughs) off the bat. Right off the bat. If The show Supernatural has taught us nothing. Is if you catch on fire, (laughs) if you catch on fire, your ghost is gone. I don't remember that. Yeah, that's how they get rid of stuff, right? They, they, They set the bones on fire. Right. But that's, I think that's slightly different. I don't know. I mean, it is a okay. CW show. <laughs> yes. But, well, how about you? What, what, do, what, do we, what are we going to do with you? Well, I mean, the idea of composting did sound good until the trees decided they wanted to murder me this week. <laughs> um, with their allergens. Yes. Their pollens. Yes. Um, I, hey, it's spring. The trees are frisky. I Just know. because quarantine has prohibited any of that for us. Look. Not us, but us. Writ large. He's making hand gestures that y'all can't see, but... Well, now that even sounds worse. Oh, no, like a circular motion, (laughs) like not us pointing to him and I, us meaning the world. Yes, yes. No, I just, I'm mad at the trees. Like, (laughs) I want them to exist, they provide me oxygen, but I'm very mad at them because um, they're trying to 
suffocate me. Look, if they want to get a little brown chicken, brown cow on, that is totally fine. Look, they can do that without trying to murder me. Well, maybe you are a little too Beyonce about this. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe you just happen to watch First into... of all, ever saying that somebody is Beyonce is a compliment. <laughs> okay. So I will take it as such. All right. Um, so I just don't want to be embalmed and buried. Because mm-hmm. I think that's weird. Fair enough. And also it's just terrible for the environment. Um, cremation, as you mentioned, is also bad for the environment, but maybe a little bit less so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would happily donate my body to science. Yes, I would too, but there'd be nothing they could learn. Well, they could learn what not to do. <laughs> well, so, like, I'd be all about, like, send me to the body farm. Do you uh, know about the body farm? I don't know about the body farm. Oh, the body farm. Dr. Ed, the body farm is where forensic um, examiners learn what happens to bodies in different environments. Okay. How they decay. Gotcha. So they'll, like, throw you, I mean, in a controlled environment, throw you into the woods. And cover you up so, like, animals can't get to you to see how, like, the bugs develop. So then they can help date when you died. Or put you into water to see what happens to you. I did not know such a thing existed. Yes. All in the name of science. Yes. Science. Very important science. Yes. I don't think I could be a cadaver for a medical school. I think that would, if, if I had any consciousness after this life, I think that would bug me. Why would it be different? Because I, I've known medical students, and I know how... Because of the psychology of it, they make fun of the cadavers a lot. Yes. And I'd be like, I don't need you. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need to relive high school. I'm dead. In death. <laughs> I was fine in high school, but it's like, I, I don't need it. Sure. I don't need your sass. Sure. Though I did also learn that you can be um, that you can take a body and change it into a gemstone, which I'm also very intrigued by. How do they do that? Because you're made of carbon, right? Yes. So they can just take the carbon from your body and turn it into a gemstone. So you're literally a diamond in the rough? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I kind of like the idea of, like, forcing someone, because I'm weird, forcing someone to, like, have to wear me all the time. (laughs) Like, you have to wear my diamond body or my sapphire body. So speaking of weird, actually, so I've known Dr. Evan for quite a while, (laughs) and she has... um, I won't say she's cornered the market on weirdness, but hey. she definitely is well invested what? in this. You're weird too, sir. I am weird in a unique and special way. How am I weird? <laughs> You're weird because on your birthday, you wanted to go to a cemetery. Look, I wanted a party. <laughs> Not at a cemetery, but you know, COVID. Right. So I said, let's go to a cemetery. It was a historic cemetery, but I like cemeteries. So tell me, why do you like cemeteries so much? I like cemeteries because they're lovely, especially historic cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, more modern cemeteries. But aren't they all historic in their own way? Isn't everyone's life part of history? <laughs> <laughs> thus, thus, thus Raspberries, the historian. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> But, you know, the standard markers now I don't find as pretty. Okay. But I like, um, you know, historic cemeteries just used to be very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I like walking around. There are lots of pretty green spaces. I like looking at the markers. I find it fascinating. Um, my parents joked. Uh, they came to visit me once when I was doing research in Boston. And they were joking that they have now seen every single 
historic cemetery in the city of Boston. <laughs> because I like cemeteries. I find them peaceful. Mm-hmm. They're pretty. I like the interesting stuff. I like learning about the folks who have gone. I think it's interesting to see what people put as their epitaphs. So yeah, I just, I like cemeteries. I like them too, but not in the same way. I mean, I don't like them as as much as some people. Right. But isn't this whole, I mean, so we went to Mount Mora. Yes. So talk to me about that. Just the experience? The experience. So we went, my birthday's in September. Um, So it's a very lovely time of year. So I got Dr. Ed to come with me to Mount Mora Cemetery, which is a historic cemetery here in St. Joseph. Yes. And uh, it's beautiful. Would you agree? It is. Uh, there's a whole bunch of very big, ornate mausoleums. Mm-hmm. There are uh, several, quote-unquote, famous people buried here, although probably not famous to most of our listeners. St. Joseph famous. St. Joseph famous, which is a very special type <laughs> of famous, I imagine. <laughs> Uh, but there's like three former Missouri governors mm-hmm. buried here. There's a Pony Express rider um, buried here um, as well. So Yeah, and um, when their mausoleums went up, a lot of them was kind of in the height of like 19th century obsession with like all things Egyptian. Right. So there's some really cool like Egyptian motifs on a lot of the mausoleums, which is really pretty. Yeah, and, um, the, and the cemetery is quite old. Yeah. 1851. Yes, I think that's what we yeah. discovered. The oldest operating, continuously operating cemetery in St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. It's on the National uh, Registry of Historic Places. Yeah. And it is well known, if you ever get the chance, listeners, to look it up online, it's very well known for its mausoleum row, mm-hmm. which is full of amazing... And it's almost exact. It's almost right when you walk in. Yeah. Yeah, there were obviously some people who had quite a bit of money, but there used to be a lot of money in St. Joseph. Yeah, and what I like, too, is, you know, some cemeteries you can drive through. You're not really supposed to drive through Mount Mora, um, so it's all walking paths. Right. And it's, it's about 20 acres, so it's not huge. Yeah. Um, I think we got through it in about, what, two hours? Yeah, I think so. Like, and did a pretty thorough walkthrough. Right. But one of the things that's interesting about Mount Mora that we haven't um, experienced... Um, but Mount Mora is, is supposed to be haunted. Allegedly. Allegedly haunted. Um, the most sort of notable haunting is by someone called the Lavender Lady. Lavender. And um, apparently she is an African-American woman um, who appears around 10 o'clock in the evenings, uh, which is after the cemetery has closed. So I don't know how people are seeing them unless they're in the cemetery after and night. I'm wondering, was that a segregated cemetery? Because cemeteries were segregated, just like everything else. Yes. So I'm wondering. I'll have to... I don't know. That's a really good... Will... She's going to put... She's taking a note right now. She's on her phone, typing it down, and uh, we'll get back to you. Because that's actually a really interesting sort of question about how the cemetery was originally laid out, if there was an African-American or black portion. Mm -hmm. Um, Often there'll be like immigrant sections in these sorts of cemeteries, and I do think, actually, didn't we kind of, didn't it feel like we came across something like that? Maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, say again? Like an immigrant section? Well, I thought, because we were, okay, so Mount Morris also, there's, um, St. Joe has a lot of hills. Yes. Surprisingly for being so close to the plains. Yes. Well, we're in the bluffs of the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like down, uh, sort of toward the back yes. of the cemetery, there was a very overgrown area. Um, that had some markers that we couldn't easily get to. Yes. 
And so we had a theory that perhaps that was an area with more um, impoverished right. black and or immigrant folks. The hills have eyes. What? What? <laughs> Why are we going to cannibalism? I don't know. Anyway, long story short, far too late for that. Um, the Lavender Lady is an African-American woman who has apparently been spotted around 10 p.m. Um, in the Mount Mora Cemetery, usually on Mount Mora Road, walking towards the cemetery. Um, she has a cape, and she's also wearing a lavender veil. Now, again, why she's there, no one really knows. Um, there are some people who have documented, supposedly, um, voices coming from certain tombs. There's one mausoleum where I think they say if you look in the window, you might see someone looking back at you. Well, we looked in that one. Yes. Because a lot of the mausoleums, obviously, you can't really look into. Right. Because um, the glass is frosted or... Um, it doesn't have glass, but we did look into the one, and right. I don't remember whose it was. I'll be honest. No, I don't remember either. Um, but their actual tomb within the mausoleum was very lovely. It has roses on top. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful place, and what's very interesting, though, is that cemeteries are kind of a relatively newish phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the right way to put it? Yeah. So, um, especially in the United States and how all this kind of manifested. So, maybe you can talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, a quick thing to note is that cemeteries and graveyards are actually two different things. Ooh, important distinction. Fun fact. Write it down. Cemetery fact. <laughs> um, that's our new uh, random aside from Dr. Evan. Yes. Where she sings cemetery facts. Cemetery facts. <laughs> all right. Okay. So... Most people um, from, you know, the 18th century on were buried in graveyards because graveyards were consecrated ground next to churches. Okay. Um, So that's what a graveyard is. It's basically attached to a church. Okay. Now, the problem is that that's not a lot of space and lots of people die. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes. So we're running out of space to bury people. Mm -hmm. And... As you might imagine, lots of people don't like to have, like, people buried on top of people. Right. Um, for whatever reason. I don't get it because I'm like, I don't care. I'm dead. Some people don't like apartment living. I mean, to me, I don't care. I'm dead. But I'm in the, I think, minority on being like, oh, yeah. throw me in a ditch. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that was not on your list of ways to, <laughs> to, to go. But. Well, because I don't care at that point. Okay, Dr. Evans' parents, um, if she is to <laughs> pass away and you have to take care of it, any ditch will do, apparently. Or, I mean, let me be by vultures, Tibetan sky burial style. I don't care, right? Because I like vultures, so if they want to eat me, that's fine, too. Would you be eaten by cats? Sure. Because cats will eat you. They will. So dogs. Will dogs. No, that is yes, not true. Yes, they will. Dogs are amazing. They would never do First that. First of all, dogs, like any other creature, if they are starving, will eat anything. Second of all, dogs absolutely will eat you. Every dog is going to take you gently by your dead leg and pull you to a cemetery and then dig a grave, bury you, and then lay on your grave until they die. That's how it works. I'm sorry. Okay. I will allow you to live in that delusion. (laughs) All right. So we're running out of space in graveyards. Yes. And also, there's not a lot of place in cities to bury people. Right. So they started, this is where we get into my accent, the rural... Rural. (laughs) The rural durr. (laughs) Sorry, that's a joke from 30 Rock. Um, The rural cemetery movement. Just to basically move cemeteries outside of um, the immediate city limits. And this is an American phenomenon? European as well. Okay. But 
I know it, of course, from the American perspective. So right. we're talking like 1840s, 1850s. Right. And we should probably say, listeners, that um, we are not intentionally being just America or Eurocentric in our conversation about this. We're drawing upon our immediate knowledge. There's lots of interesting um, burial techniques and types across oh, the globe, yeah. speaking to a whole wide range of cultural beliefs. So definitely, you should take the time to explore some of them. But this is our experience, and so this is what we're talking about. Well, and about. also what I've studied as an American historian. Yes, because she is a historian of America. That is correct. Yes. Uh, so the idea was, hey, why don't we go out to these areas that are green and lovely and start burying people out here? And part of the rural cemetery movement was the idea that cemeteries should be pretty. They should be places that people want to go. Uh, so, I mean, starting in that, there's a movement toward, like, people picnicking in the cemeteries. Yes. Spending time having, you know, photos taken, um, you know, walking around, right? That they are social green spaces. Right. And that they're supposed to be beautiful. The idea is that your final resting place should be a place of peace. Right. And that we find peace in nature. So these these things should be beautiful. And if you're going to take up this much green space, it should also be usable. So I have a question for you. Yes. Sorry, going back. So my grandpa Vic is buried in a Catholic cemetery, mm-hmm. but that is not the same as a graveyard because it's not attached to a Catholic church. That is correct. So it is a, but would the land still have been consecrated? Probably. Okay. So really, the, it's not a matter of the ground being consecrated or not. It is attachment a, to, attachment a, to church. a church. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Clear. Yeah. Just for example, we we have mixed-use cemeteries where we don't care. Like, no one cares. Right. And those are generally public cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, but private cemeteries are often religiously based. Yeah. Like so golf, not always. Like golf, golf courses. Sure. Yeah. Some yeah. people get in. Some people do not get in. Yeah. Well, and there's actually, I won't go into it, but there's actually really interesting politics about where people are buried. Yes. Okay, we apologize for the weird break. I almost had to sneeze. The trees are getting The darker. trees are trying to murder me as well. So the rural cemetery movements are creating nice spaces for mm-hmm. people to hang out and kind of experience nature in the peaceful calm. And they can also visit their family members. Yes. And it was not seen as macabre. Right. right? It's not weird to go right. visit a cemetery. It's not weird at the time to go have a picnic. Right. In a cemetery. Right. Because we don't have a lot of park spaces. We haven't quite hit, by that point, the parks movement mm-hmm. of establishing, like, public green spaces within cities. We right. don't have that quite yet in most, at least, American cities. So if you want green space that is at least a little bit tamed, I mean, it's going to be a cemetery. That's fair. So what's interesting, though, is that um, these images of these peaceful spaces that you talk about are really not how most of us or many of us often think about cemeteries because mm-hmm. we always think about the cemeteries that have fallen into you know disuse or not maintained tained <coughs> excuse the trees. me the trees <laughs> not maintained they're overgrown um, and, well, and a, dis- a general discomfort about death right so going to a cemetery it's very clear like these people are dead yes and we often then start to worry about cemeteries being haunted, mm-hmm. right? Which is not something that we had traditionally associated with these 
before, correct? As we were creating the world's rural, rural <laughs> cemetery movement, um, we didn't think about ghosts. We were thinking about spaces where people could yeah. chillax. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there are other cultures that do think that if you visit burial spaces, you will be visited in some fashion by ancestors, etc. Okay. But in the American Christian context, which is the majority of cemeteries at the time, um, no, you're going there to connect with your loved one in a... Um, very um, corporeal way. Right. Right. You're visiting their grave. Gotcha. And so, no, there's not an assumption that those are uh, haunted spaces. Right. But we do think that they are haunted often now. Yes. And um, true story, um, my friends and I, uh, Colleen, and I think it was Amy and maybe my friend Brad, if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, we once took a Ouija board. Ouija board? Ouija board. Ouija. A Ouija board. Um, to um, Sunset Hills Cemetery in Bozeman, which is in Lindley Park. So um, we tried to use a Ouija board, and we got no response. And we thought, oh, well, we probably aren't going to get a response because there's not a lot of ghosts in the cemetery because the ground is consecrated and is supposed to be like the final resting place, like bodies that are buried are at rest, and those spirits and souls, in theory, are able to transition onwards, right? Though, I, I do feel like that is the starter of a horror movie. Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to yell from a couch, like, do you want ghosts? This is how you get ghosts. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about my life in the 20 years since that time <laughs> and see what's happened, right? <laughs> yeah, but we won't. We won't. But that raises this kind of interesting question because there's a fellow, his name is Jacob Rice, and he is a ghost hunter, self-described. And he's the founder of something called Ghostly Activities, which is probably some ghost hunting group. Um, I didn't bother to Google very deeply into his background. But he had this very interesting statement um, where he wrote, it's the living who create a haunted cemetery. Most graveyards um, don't start off haunted. Mm -hmm. And what he basically argues is that if there are ghosts and spirits that are in cemeteries it is because the loss and the suffering or sorry the grief and the suffering of those who have lost people um, who are in those spaces around those resting places that emotional um, angst is enough to basically capture spirits that are transitioning to another place and pull them back and trap them in the graveyard and then this was... That's incredibly depressing. Yeah, I mean, it's very sad. And um, it, as I kind of read that, it made me think about uh, the episode in Buffy the Vampire Slayer after Buffy had passed away, and Willow and her friends couldn't handle the loss, and so they brought her back, right? Mm -hmm. That's the deal and how awful that experience was for Buffy having been ripped out of a place where she actually wanted to be. Um, I don't want to give too much. If you haven't watched Buffy, you should. It's amazing, but... You know, that's kind also, of part we're of the like story. Also, we're like 20-plus years out. I, yeah, I, I guess. I don't feel like we have to have spoiler warnings anymore. <laughs> I guess if you haven't seen it, you know, well, too late. Um, but another fellow, his name is Troy Taylor. He wrote a book called Beyond the Grave. And um, he actually says, among ghost hunters or paranormal researchers, cemeteries um, are not the best place to find ghosts. Um, and that's a pretty common belief. So most ghost hunters don't spend time in cemeteries, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why he argued is, of course, because, like I said, cemeteries are supposed to be that final step, right, where we lay the body to rest and everything has sort of been put into place and then the spirit or the soul or whatever can transition onto whatever is next. But what he argues is, is that even though cemeteries aren't common places to find ghosts, 
he said, we actually do hear lots of stories of haunted cemeteries. Mm. And what he argues then is that the ghosts who haunt these cemeteries are different, okay, from ghosts that haunt other locations, such such as houses or things like that, apartments, buildings, whatever it happens to be. And his argument is simply that ghosts that exist or haunt cemeteries are connected to those spaces in a way that excludes events that actually occurred during their life. Mm. So they're not haunting the place because of something that actually happened in their life. Rather, they're haunting the place because of something that happened afterwards, after they died. And so he points to um, certain things about the burial process that is supposed to sort of, again, make this this final place that can be violated, that can call spirits back or trap spirits. So he talks about things like desecration of graves, Mm -hmm. um, can create hauntings, um, grave robberies. Um, this one kind of made me feel very sad when he talked about unmarked or forgotten graves, mm. um, that that can bring hauntings back. Uh, natural disasters, where graves and um, cemeteries are disturbed, you know, by this natural force, an earthquake or a flood or something like that. And even uh, bad burials can can basically cause these types of hauntings. So what do we mean by bad burials? Bad burials, it could be a burial that didn't go through the proper rites, right? Okay. You know, the, that, I mean, I don't know what that might be. So probably something that does not go for the person's wishes, whatever right. those are. Okay. Right, something along those lines. And um, so I actually found this really interesting because as I kind of thought about this, I mean, it is true, right? We have these associations of cemeteries as being haunted spaces, but we had never really thought that maybe the types of hauntings are very different, right? That's a very different type of experience. And so he further goes on to suggest that there's four what he called general types of categories of ghosts that can exist in cemeteries. Hmm. You know, and I was like, oh, category. I'm a good social scientist. I was immediately intrigued by something that resembled the typology of ghosts. And so he identified what he called... Um, short-term ghosts, long-term ghosts, permanent ghosts, and stray ghosts in cemeteries. So I thought that was a very um, straightforward and interesting classification system. Now, a short-term ghost is a ghost that exists uh, because of what, again, what Jacob Rice had suggested, that these are ghosts that are lingering because they're trapped by the grief of their loved ones. Right. So it's these are ghosts that manifest to get trapped because their loved ones are constantly coming to the grave. And it's not I'm here to remember and celebrate you. Right. It is I'm mourning. I'm grieving. I can't go on without you. That sense of grief is pulling them back. And so he argues that short term ghosts in graveyards or cemeteries are ghosts that are basically lingering um, because they're trying to find ways to comfort loved ones. Right. To help loved ones come to terms with the loss and then hopefully that they can come to terms as a ghost with their own loss and then transition forward. So those are the short timers, okay? the ones that are kind of there for a little bit. Because what he argues is that over time, right, even though you know death is always very difficult to deal with, over time we do naturally come to terms with it, right? That as humans we learn to kind of adjust to our grief, we learn to work through the grief and process it. 
and eventually move on. So again, these are ghosts that are kind of stuck there for that very short time, short time to help them try to get through that process. So those are the short timers. Long-term ghosts are ghosts that are departed. They have actually processed over, but they get pulled back. And they get pulled back, again, for those reasons associated with like desecration and things like that. Where something happens um, that disturbs the actual burial, burial place, Mm-hmm. And then they get pulled back and they usually get pulled back. And what they seek to do is they seek to try to exact some form of vengeance on the people who did the horrible thing. So these are like angry ghosts um, in the graveyards who basically are trying to find ways to punish the people who destroyed their resting place, things like that. And then I don't care for that. No, well, goodness knows an angry ghost is bad. <laughs> In any category. Again, if supernatural has taught us anything. (laughs) Supernatural has taught us anything. And um, then he also argues that sometimes these long-term ghosts become permanent ghosts. That once they have kind of resolved that conflict, they stay and act as a guardian of the burial space. Now, there are some old stories that suggest that the first person interred in a cemetery, um, their ghost becomes the guardian spirit of the cemetery. You look perplexed. Well, because who the hell would want to be buried first then? Well, I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, I mean, it's not like... I would come back as a long-term ghost <laughs> to be like, get me out of here, man. <laughs> and then uh, the category of stray ghosts was... <laughs> I'm sorry. This one makes me laugh. Was, I'm just imagining someone be like, here, boy. <laughs> come on, boy. <laughs> and then a little ghost comes running. Um, what he described these as, and I would like to actually maybe do a little more reading on this because I don't know much about it beyond what little bit I read initially, but he categorizes stray ghosts as, quote, lesser evolved spirits. Well, that's rude. Who are often very malevolent, very destructive, right? Because they just are not ready to do whatever. Um, But they weren't trapped here. They weren't called back here. So maybe these are like the the lost ghosts, right? That they just don't know where they're supposed to be. And so they're here. I feel, though, that calling them lesser involved is rude. Well, I mean, what are we supposed to call them? I don't but evolving ghosts under evolved well that suggests that after you die there's some sort of evolution of spirit well there might be i don't know i mean why is it something that we could we don't have to, i mean that, that we can't preclude it i mean i can't deny its existence now. i mean you could get out your your ouija on the phone <laughs> and ask them i mean that was a very effective tool last time yes clear clear I'll, messaging i'll get my velvet pillow out and try yeah. to ouija my way on the pillow Yes. Um, So anyway, the other thing that he suggested, of course, is that um, cemeteries um, tend to kind of engender these types of ghosts because, again, there's a lot of emotional, there's a lot of emotional charging about this. And I didn't read much into it, but um, he said if you're cremated, it's different. He's like the energy around cremation sites is very, it's a very different energy. And so ghosts... Um, from people who have been cremated, um, these are they tend to haunt where they died, which is an interesting thing, right? They're not again; they they get tied to the space that existed in their life, not because of something that happened afterwards. So they don't follow their urns. Yeah, I guess not. Oh man, what happened? Sorry, I just had a weird thought about how, like, my parents, for example, have already decided that they would like to be cremated. 
and they would like half of their cremains to go to my sister and did half to me. Cremains? That's what they're called. I did not know that. Your your cremated remains are called your cremains. Why is that so funny to you? I don't know. They are called cremains. Sounds like crouton or something. I don't know. It just doesn't fit right in my mind. I mean, because if you say somebody's remains, it makes it sound like you're carting a dead body around with oh, you. Or a bucket of ash. Or an but, urn of ash. It's really bone dust, but... Okay. Because most of you burns away, and then they pulverize your bones. So, okay. I know a lot about cremation, because <laughs> I follow a very interesting YouTuber. And her name is Caitlin, and I can't think of her last name. But she is a very prominent activist in the Green Burial Movement. And she is a... Um, funeral director, and she runs an organization called the Order of the Good Death. And she has really interesting YouTubes about different things about what happens after you die. Right? Like, people asking, like, oh, how do you keep, um, you know, people's eyes closed? Or how do you do this, this, that, and the other? So she has very interesting YouTube videos. But she also ran a crematory. So she talks about, like, what happens. Like, what are you actually getting? Right. When you get cremains, is what they're called. Anyway, long story short... My parents are going to be split into two urns, and one's going to go to me, one's going to my sister. So then the question is, what happens for a ghost? Like, will my mom bounce back and forth? Maybe. Like in like Missouri, Arizona, Missouri, <laughs> Arizona. She have lots of frequent ghosting miles. I know. She could upgrade. That's intriguing, though. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was a really... Um, um, a, a, an interesting distinction, right? And huh. you know, I haven't read the whole book beyond the grave, obviously. Yeah. But um, it was something to kind of think about, I guess, that the method of, of 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 burial might affect the nature of haunting that would be associated with it. Mm. But so, have you ever seen a ghost at a cemetery? No. Have you ever had a ghostly experience at a cemetery? No. Well, I actually know some haunted cemeteries. I may have heard of haunted cemeteries, yes. but again, I have either very positive associations with cemeteries because they're beautiful, or I have sad associations with cemeteries because loved ones are there. Right. Um, so, like, I'll just be very clear. If I go visit a cemetery as a kind of, like, I want to look at it, it's not a cemetery where, like, my loved ones are buried. Right. They're historic. Right. Um, well, you would hate to trap people with grief, too. I'd well, feel really I'm, bad. The idea of that horrifies me. I'll yeah. be frank. Yeah, it is terrifying. <sighs> but you know, I mean, it, I've, I'm always sad when somebody dies, but I don't think I've ever experienced a level of grief like that. Right. Right, and not to say that I didn't love those loved ones who have passed, but I don't know. I guess. I mean, that's a pretty common trope, though. That I think about it, you see that in lots of horror movies, right? That you know, ghost gets trapped by other people's mm-hmm. loss, right? That they can't leave. Um, which is, I mean, just the more you think about it, it is disturbing. It's also, I mean, intellectually very interesting. Um, well, I don't like know, how? listeners, maybe you don't find it intellectually interesting or no, not. No, I, I mean, I don't care what they think. <laughs> okay. All right. She cares. She cares deeply. As I'm saying at this moment, I'm intrigued by it. Yes. This is our podcast. And so here we go. Yes. But we hope you care about it. We do. Genuinely. Yes. I actually do care. Yes. But I'm just, what I'm trying to figure out is what is the mechanism of this? Here's where I get confused. Okay. So let's just say someone is Christian. Christianity suggests that once you die, you're not experiencing anything until the second coming. Right. When Jesus basically pulls everybody up. And now your your soul and body are together once again. Right. Um, It's that. 
Yeah? Sure. I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I take that. I, I, I'm assuming that's accurate. I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I mean, I haven't been in church for a very long time. Uh, nor have I. Yeah. And even when I was there, I was there for candy. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I just, so if we have souls and souls move on to someplace, how could it possibly be that humans and their emotions could hold a spirit from moving to wherever it goes next, if it goes anywhere. Right. Um, purely supposition, right? Yeah. Because obviously we haven't done the science on this, but don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> As a social scientist, I would probably say this. This is just speculative, but um, emotions are incredibly powerful energies, right? And so if, if you're buying into a lot of the conversations about maybe things like poltergeist activity, right, that poltergeist activity is really a manifestation of like angsty, you know, prepubescent transitioning into puberty kid energy, mm-hmm. right, that's manifesting outward, right? Again, there's lots of weird assumptions in this, but humans who have experienced this loss, that grief is manifesting out as energy, I, you know, again, I'm making all sorts of assumptions about what the soul might be. But, you know, as we often see it replicated, that the soul does have some consciousness. It does have some connection. And maybe they feel that, right? It's Maybe it's a magnetic attraction that pulls them together. So maybe it is more physics than theology, right? If we think about kind of, if we think about in terms of energies, right? Hmm. I don't know, right? I, I Well, obviously, I didn't expect you to. But I well, find you it... should have expected me to know because I know everything. I don't know everything. What? All right. <laughs> um, anyway. I love how she just looks at me in disgust when I say things <laughs> like this. No, I'm just thinking about, you know, I'm a hospice volunteer. So I am not often with people who are in the active process of dying, but who are in the weeks, days, right. months before dying. And... uh I have been there when people have died and, you know, however you want to phrase it. And it's just the idea that, like, everybody mourns, right, when it's happening. So the concern is, well, at what extreme does the emotion have to be before it's like, hey, we're going to yank you back into this mortal plane? Um, I just, I don't have a good answer. I'm just, it's intriguing to me. Like, why? Like, to me, it doesn't have a logical Hold logical form. Yes. And again, it maybe doesn't necessarily have to be logical. That's true. In that sense. But. but <laughs> <laughs> you were going to tell us, though, about an actual haunting, which I think would be a good way to yes. move. To move out of this um, kind of um, abstract yes. conversation um, into um, some real meaningful conversation. Well, Obviously, um, there are lots of cemeteries that are supposed to be haunted. Any Google search will pull up the top 10 haunted cemeteries in X, Y, or Z, whether it's your home state, whether it's the country, whether it's the world. doesn't matter. You can all find this. Um, so I did a little bit of searching around, and there's a couple that I would like to talk about um, uh, very quickly and then one in a little more detail. So... Obviously, one of the places in the United States that's really famous for cemeteries and being haunted um, is in New Orleans. So in particular, New Orleans, um, it's called St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, St. Louis Number 1. This is a cemetery that is reportedly haunted by none other than the voodoo queen Marie Laveau. Um, 
So again, why she haunts that particular cemetery, you know, I don't think she's actually buried there. Maybe she is. I don't know. I didn't do enough research because um, I'm a good researcher, but I didn't do it for this. Um, but that's one example, right? And if you ever go to New Orleans, the cemeteries are amazing because, of course, because of the water table, you can't bury people below mm-hmm. ground. It's all mausoleums, which is pretty amazing to kind of look at and creepy in, a, in that sense. And also dangerous. The cemeteries are d- pretty dangerous. In what sense? No, people hide there to rob people. Oh, okay. Okay, so actual real physical yes. danger. not Correct. Not ghostly dangers. Well, I mean, there can be ghostly danger in New Orleans. Right. I think I... Have I told you the ghostly? I think no. I've told you the story. Maybe. About Lafitte's. So there's a bar on Bourbon Street called yeah. Lafitte's, which used to be a black... Yeah, um, Jean Lafitte. Yeah. Blacksmith shop. And I got stuck in the bathroom. Oh, yes. I got stuck in the bathroom and I couldn't get out. And I was freaking out. I was like, what do I do? Like... I've, I've used the restroom. I'm ready to leave. I can't get out. Now, it's New Orleans. It was September. It was a hot, humid day. So I think the door just, you know, as wood does, shrinks and expands. Um, but one of the waitresses finally heard me, like, banging on the door and yanked the door open. And she said, oh, that's one of the ghosts. He likes to trap women in the bathroom, which is a pervy ghost, let me tell you. Well, yes. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I guess ghosts could be dangerous. I could have... You could have been trapped in Jean Lafitte's bathroom forever. <laughs> and then what if the toilet flushed automatically? Then what do we do? Look. <laughs> <laughs> then what, what sort of crisis I, do we I endure? Have, I have aged to a point where that no longer frightens me. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, that's New Orleans. Again, there's a really great haunted tour of New Orleans. If you're ever down there, you should take. Um, another graveyard that I have actually experienced that feels very haunted, although I've never seen a haunting It's called the Pioneer Cemetery Graveyard, and that is in Eugene, Oregon. So the Pioneer Cemetery Graveyard is this beautiful, beautiful graveyard. It's actually still active. You can actually choose to be buried in this graveyard if you wish to. It's got these massive, massive old-growth trees that cast shadows and keep it cool. And um, this is a cemetery. What's interesting about it is right on the University of Oregon's campus, So I would regularly walk by it on my way back and forth from my apartment to the building where I worked in campus when when where I worked on the campus when I was in graduate school. And while again I never saw this, right? We did. um, There's rumors that this is haunted. In particular, you'll often see a woman in the fog um, right around 10 o'clock again. That 10 p.m. bell time seems to matter for some reason, and then. We, it's also been rumored that there is a man in full regalia playing the bagpipes. That has often been like seen. Like doctoral regalia? Not or? Doc, like, I guess Scottish regalia. Okay. It wasn't specified. Because the idea that he's in doctoral regalia paying the bagpipes really makes me laugh. <laughs> it would be amazing <laughs> if that were the case. His, well, a tam, that's Scottish. So yes. Hood and his tam and his yeah. robe. And then um, here in St. Joseph, aside from... Uh, Mount Mora. There's also uh, King Hill Cemetery, which is a very old cemetery. And one of the reported hauntings is of of Native American origin. And it is reportedly haunted because, loosely speaking, archaeological evidence, I don't know what it is, revealed that King Hill Cemetery was actually built on um, Native American sacred grounds. Um, I don't know if it was burial grounds or whatever, but um, it is reportedly haunted because, and I'm quoting, um, Indian. there's an Indian warrior. That's how they describe it. Um, an Indian 
I know, I know, I know. Um, and the legend says that the Indian dead, again, <laughs> it's awful, but the Indian dead um, migrate over the Missouri west to the Happy Hunting Grounds. But when they built the Christian burial ground on top of it, it precluded them from being able to do that. There's also support, supposedly a young pioneer woman who haunts it who was scalped by a Native American. I don't believe that at all, but who knows what that story is. But the really creepy cemetery is out, actually out here in the Midwest, um, and it's in Kansas. It's in a very small town. Again, if you search this stuff on the internet, you'll find it. I don't want to say the town's name because it's a very small town. only has about, I don't know, like 20 houses in it. It's very, very tiny. And, and you're not allowed to go to the cemetery. If yeah. I'm, okay. Well, you can go to the cemetery. You can't go into the cemetery. Right. You can't go visit the cemetery right. anymore. Okay. So, but what we're talking about is Stoll Cemetery, S-T-U-L-L. And it used to have, it's a very old cemetery, and it had the church that sit in it. And it's located to a very small, right next to a very small Kansas town. Um, there's about 20 people who still live in the town. Um, but apparently, the population of this area contains a large number of people that are from beyond the earth that don't belong there. Because in addition to the human inhabitants, the town is also home to a vast number of legends and um, stories that are linked to the crumbling old church that's now been torn down and the cemetery that can be found atop this big hill where the cemetery sits. And for many, many years, I guess there's been stories of witchcraft, ghosts, supernatural hangings, um, have surrounded this old graveyard. Supernatural hangings? Uh, supernatural happenings. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was like, Which what? might include a supernatural <laughs> hanging. I was very intrigued as if this had not been a term I had heard before. So I did, sorry, I didn't mean to criticize. I genuinely was curious. So basically, some people claim that this is one of seven gateways to hell. So if you look this up, the cemetery up on the interwebs, right, what you're going to find is that um, the legends have been around for more than 100 years that this graveyard is actually haunted by the devil, right? Uh, question about terminology. Yes. Does the devil haunt? I know. It was um, an interesting sort of reference, right? But basically, that according to legend, there are two places on earth um, where... The devil will manifest on Halloween, basically come up from a stairway. Both to simultaneously hell. or one or the other? One or the other, I guess. So it's like a where's the other one? Do we know? It's in some uh, desolate plains in India. That's how it's been described in the in the rumors. So Kansas or India? Kansas or India. I don't know. Yeah, talk to the devil. I don't feel <laughs> get like out doing your, that. get out your velvet pillow, right? Maybe. <laughs> First of all. Oh, shit. Okay, um, so Kansas or India. All right. So basically, um, the most sort of recent, um, uh, or it, it's been around for hundreds of years, but the story didn't really appear until there was an article in the University of Kansas student newspaper mm -hmm. that spoke about a number of strange occurrences in the churchyard. And um, basically, again, the devil's supposed to appear in person. Now, the residents of Stoll um, say none of this is true. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the legends include that um, many people have been grabbed by the arm by unseen things. They speak of unexplained memory loss. 
Um, there's also also lots of tales of devil worship and witchcraft that kind of manifest in this story. But they claim that none of this is true. And in fact, they are actually really angered and annoyed that things like this were being said about their town. So basically, the pastor said this is all just an invention of students at the university, right? And it has taken on the form of an urban legend. Now, again, there are weird tales associated with it. So um, apparently on March 20th, 1978, there were 150 people that actually waited in the cemetery for the arrival of the devil. Um, How many? 150 people, right? Goodness. And word spread that the spirits of those who had died violent deaths were buried there. They would return from the grave because that's what the devil does, apparently. That's why he does this. He comes to Earth on Halloween, collects all the evil spirits that died or die violent, all the spirits that died violent deaths, and they have some sort of big, you know, dead man's party to use Ongo Boingo as a reference, right? <laughs> um, according to the article I read, though, unfortunately, the only spirits that showed up that night came in bottles and cans, <laughs> which did not stop the stories from spreading. Um, other things that have been associated with this. And again, the legends say the devil has been appearing here since the 19 or since the 1850s. There's lots of rumors that the original name of the town was Skull, not Stull. Um, but one of the stories told of two young men who were visiting the cemetery one night, and then suddenly a strong wind became bl- uh, began to blow out of nowhere. Uh, they ran back to their car, only to find that the car was now on the other side of the highway and facing in the opposite direction. Um, another man claimed to experience the same wind, but inside the old church, rather than the graveyard, he claims that the air knocked him into the floor and would not allow him to move for some time. Um, uh, incidentally, it's also inside the church where, quote, witnesses say that no rain will fall, even though the building itself at the time didn't even have a roof because it was crumbling and in disrepair. I just like witnesses. Witnesses, some people say. So, again, it is... An interesting story. Now, again, because there's so much um, kind of publicity about this, right? Again, you search the internet, it pops up. The graveyard is, it's not active. They fence it off. It actually sits on private property. And um, the best you could do is go there in the day and look through the chain link fence. If you're there at night, um, you're more likely to have trouble from the police than from ghosts. But it's interesting how these things sort of manifest and take root that, you know, here's a cemetery out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas that is suddenly kind of the stomping grounds for the devil. And it's worth noting that this was actually used um, as a um, place of filming in Supernatural, the TV show for the episode Apocalypse. So there you go. Fun times. Didn't you tell me, and I just looked this up, that allegedly the Pope. Oh, yes. Well, and that apparently, because, okay. So, Dr. Ed was telling me earlier that there is a um, story that the Pope will not fly over this small town in Kansas, to which both of us were pondering, like, how often does one Pope fly over Kansas? But apparently the story started because in the 90s, the Pope was going to Colorado and made the plane divert. Oh, wow. Which is untrue. Which, that would have been... That would have been John Paul, right? Yeah, number two. Interesting. Um, so my assumption is that that is 100% not true. Factor cap. It is. I believe that's a cap. It's a cap. 
Um, and that's but, a TikTok reference, I think. If, yes. If our listeners are... Not TikTok <laughs> savvy. <laughs> or obsessed like we are. So you also said that you and your friends very disrespectfully used to party in the Jewish cemetery. We did not party in it. <laughs> no. There was no partying in the Jewish cemetery. Way to not tell the story correctly, Dr. Ed. Well. Okay. Now. Yes. <laughs> I have to set this story straight. Um, I did not experience anything creepy at this cemetery, but we went to this cemetery because um, it was a Jewish cemetery. It's called uh, Mount Carmel Cemetery in Evansville. Mm, um, <laughs> and um, it's behind Lloyd Pool, where I used to go swim. Mm, pool. What is up with you, <laughs> I man? don't know. Anyway, so we would go there because there was a family buried there with the last name of Frankenstein or Frankenstein or however it would actually be pronounced. Um, where I'm from is a, is a deeply German area, so it makes sense that there were lots of German folks buried in the Jewish cemetery. Um, but we would go to look at the gravestones that said Frankenstein. And, you know, not, not revisiting respectfully. Um, visiting, like, to be like, hee hee Frankenstein. Because we were dumb and young. Gotcha. But that is where I learned, um, because I was telling Dr. Ed about this, and he had not heard of this, that generally at Jewish cemeteries, you don't leave flowers, you leave rocks. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of stories as to why that is. No one knows for sure. Um, there's, like, some people who claim it's because flowers are um, ephemeral, like they'll die. Right. But rocks will not. Right. Um, that, what? Sorry. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, giving someone a gift. Well, flowers will die, but it rocks forever. Here you go. Well, I think it's the idea of, like, you're giving somebody who's deceased something that will die. So that's not a forever memento that you were there to see them. Yeah, a Um, painful reminder of their chronic condition. Oh, like the flower. I, too, am dead. Thanks, friend. Jeez. (laughs) Well, if I was a ghost, yeah, I see it now. I get it. Put a rock on my my my, I my think spot. This is actually quite beautiful. It is. <laughs> um, there's also a theory that um, rabbis um, in older Jewish tradition were supposed to avoid where people were buried, like avoid walking over, mm-hmm. um, and so they used to put rocks as a marker so that if they were walking, they could see that right. this is where someone was buried, so they could avoid um, walking over their grave. So rabbis, of course, are allowed in cemeteries. But they were not supposed to cross right. over someone's grave. Um, but there's some other ideas behind it as well. But I think the idea is it's just, it's a marker that you were there. They don't die. They don't have to be removed. They're just there. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that um, many of our listeners probably have very good stories about when they visit cemeteries. Um, I would love to hear some of them. Of course, you can always visit our Facebook page at PhD Paranormal. You can always email us at phdparanormal at gmail.com. Whose password we now remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I think I wrote it down. And I took a picture. She took a picture, so <laughs> that is good. We will remember. But I do think that it is worth noting that even on a sunny day, a graveyard can, or a cemetery, can feel creepy. Or um, it can feel beautiful. We have a lot of family buried up in the old Pioneer Cemetery in Virginia City, Montana, mm-hmm. up on the hill. And it is windswept and it is open and it's a pretty spot, but there is a sense of kind of emptiness and loneliness that it soon, I assume once it got dark would actually make me probably feel creepy. Even though I don't think any of my family members buried up there would do anything awful because they're all wonderful people for the most part that I know. 
I mean, I don't know many of them. There's a lot of people that were long since dead before mm-hmm. I was alive. Um, that just reminded me of a cemetery fact. Fun fact. I don't know if it's fun. Cemetery fun fact number so, two. You know um, Mary Shelley, yes? Uh, yes. Uh, Author of yes, Frankenstein? Yes. Uh, lost her virginity on her mother's grave. I had read that. Yes, and it's genuinely true. And why did that happen? <laughs> because Percy Shelley is a groupazoid? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I th- She was... So her mother, also very famous... Right, who um, you know wrote Vindication of the Rights of Women, etc. Right. Um, they were very close, and then she died young, and so um, there was lots of like her dad had encouraged her to visit her mother's grave very often. Right, um, and I think I don't know the English folks probably know this better than me, meaning like the lit folks. Right, um, but I think the idea was that she wanted to share that moment with her mother. Fair. No. <laughs> I feel like your mother should be out of those sorts of things. I mean, it seems something that's more appropriate to share over a cup of coffee, maybe 20 years later, <laughs> not <laughs> or on the like, grave. Or if, you, or if you feel very connected to your mother's grave, come back yeah. after the fact and be like, hey, Ma. <laughs> here's, a, here's a video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not do that either. And also there wouldn't have been video at the time. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. it kicked off a very unhappy marriage, so there yeah. you go. So to wrap this up, since... When we were planning this, we said that there's going to be a certain organic quality to today's, to today's <laughs> podcast, which I think that our listeners are clearly experiencing. It is the end of our semester. It is um, finals week. It, it is, is sunny for once. It is crazy. The trees are happy, having their happy endings all over and making Dr. Evan miserable. And so. apparently Dr. Ed today. Yes, a little bit, because we had to pause for the sneeze or a potential sneeze, which never manifested. But I would encourage you, right, to let us know what's going on in your graveyards and cemeteries. There's all sorts of really cool spaces. I went to one up in Glasgow once where mm-hmm. there's a necropolis behind it. Oh. And um, it was late at night. We had finished up the tour, and they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, in the necropolis, we often see um, ghosts of burning monks. So these are Scottish monks who set themselves on fire during the Protestant Reformation, the Scottish Reformation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then the guy, the tour guide, kind of just left, and we're standing back behind, you know, the big cathedral in Glasgow, looking at the necropolis at night. It's cloudy; it's starting to rain a little bit. Oh, another fun fact! Another fun fact, folks. Cemetery fact number three. So, if you go to, especially in Edinburgh and Glasgow, but other probably European um, European cities that used to have um, medical schools, you'll actually find in the graveyards you won't find um, uh, vertical tombstones, Mm -hmm. right, sticking up. They actually have massive um, uh, ones covering the ground. Okay. And the reason why is they are trying to discourage um, body snatchers for the medical schools. Yeah, that's also, if you see cages over, um, like if you go to like especially American cemeteries and see cages. It's to keep the ghosts in. No. It's to keep the grave robbers out. Oh. Sometimes there's some myths that in some European areas it's to prevent vampires from rising, but it's probably more likely to prevent grave robbing. Yeah, because a cage just wouldn't keep a vampire. How you keep a vampire from rising oh, is you God. nail a, a stake of rosewood through its heart after you cut its head off and put a holy wafer in its mouth. I know about this. I am well-versed in vampire lore, which will have to be a subject at some point. Okay. Send us your vampire stories. We'd love to hear them. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, cemetery fact number 
what are we on now? Three, four. Four. Um, also, if you are interested in historic markers, which I am because I find them beautiful, there's a really interesting TikTok from somebody who calls herself Lady Tafos. Lady Tafos. Um, T-A-P-H-O-S, which is basically the Greek for funeral, right? Okay. Um, and she cleans historic gravestones. And it's beautiful. Yeah, it is pretty amazing to watch and incredibly satisfying. And she does it in a way that's very safe for, like, the grant or the limestone. And also, she if she knows anything, she'll do research about the people, so she'll tell you a little right. bit about them. Maybe we'll put a link to one of her TikToks on our Facebook they're page. Because she speeds it up, obviously. Right. But it's like, you'll see these moss-covered... I mean, they're beautiful, but you can't read them. And by the time she's done, oh, it's very satisfying. So hopefully, listeners, we've creeped you out a little bit. I think that there's lots of creepy stories. Um, and again, I don't spend a lot of time at night in cemeteries because they scare me. Oddly enough. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. But um, this will be our last podcast f- until July. Um, going on a bit of a hiatus. Going on a hiatus. Um, some of it we're going to do a hiatus because we actually have real work that we have to do. Um, aside from organically presenting spooky information to you, our beloved listeners. Because despite what some people think, teachers don't have the summer off. No. Professors don't have the summer no. off. No. I have to prepare an entirely new class on constitutional law. I have to grade AP U.S. history exams and help with a job search. But I am also going to spend some time... Uh, out on the West or out in the West. And I'm going to try to go to some spooky places along the way to get more information, keep our website active. Yes, because we're going a podcast hiatus, but not a Facebook hiatus. Yes. So again, we really want to hear from you to help keep us active. But to preview what we're going to talk about in July, mm-hmm. um, she is not happy. <laughs> so I am very fortunate because I have very good friends from graduate school and we are going to be spending um, a week down in um, Northern California in the Redwoods, down in Jebediah State Park, and then Gold Bluffs Beach Campground or something like that. And, of course, anytime you're in the Redwoods, anytime you're in the Northwest, one of the most amazing sort of stories to think about is not supernatural but paranormal, and that is the existence of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, also known as the Yeti in other places of the world. It's actually a well-known sort of paranormal trope. So we're going to talk about Sasquatch. We might talk about um, Sasquatch feces, because that is an interesting part of the story. Oh, jeez. All right. She, I don't know why she's not excited about this. I am excited. We'll talk about why I'm not excited when we do it. Okay. I don't mind doing it at all. So that will be very interesting. Um, another thing, the the next podcast after uh, after July will likely come out in August, right? And this one we need some help with. Yes, because I will have spent my entire summer um, mostly trying to camp as much as I can because I love camping. Because he's weird. I love sleeping on the ground. Ugh. I love sitting around a fire, getting smoke in my eyes, eating burnt marshmallows. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. All those good things. Mosquito bites, which I never get because I douse myself in mosquito repellent. Man, I do too, but last summer, because we spent so much time outside because of pandemic, we still wanted to see friends, so we would stay outside. Oh, I was eaten alive. Yes. Well, um, yes. <laughs> Even with dousing myself with insect repellent. So the reason why we're talking about this in the dying kind of minutes of our podcast is because in August, what we would like to do is a podcast on your scary ghost stories mm-hmm. for campfires. Um, and of course we'd love to hear the ones that you tell your little kids 
because with little kids, you can't tell them one's too scary. Uh, one is the best is the ghost of ghost with the bloody bloody finger, um, which perhaps we'll talk about. Oh yeah, because I'm puzzled. And um, but then also other real ghost stories that are really prominent prominent everything from Bat Squatch, which is an interesting story from the Northwest, to um, the spirits that ride on the thunderheads that come across the great um, plains and things like that. Well, that's a very regionally specific. Well, I know. series of ghost stories. Yes. Because I'm just like, there's a guy with a hook for a hand. I don't know. Um, well, there's not a lot of good Indiana ghost stories. Yes. So, Dr. Hart and her wonderful, sorry. You son of a biscuit. I don't know why, Dr. Evan. I was going to call him something else, but his mother's very sweet, so I'm not going to use that term. Uh, anyway, um, she will regale us with tales of Indiana. <laughs> He's out of control. So um, I think we should wrap it up here, I think so, too. Uh, We hope you have a spooky day. Send us your stories. Go to Gmail, Facebook. Um, We'll be very interactive on Facebook, so feel free to come visit. Um, I did have some people who were like, we want to see the velvet Ouija pillow, so I might take a picture of that. That It's really not that exciting, but I'll take a picture. It could be exciting. All right. We'll stay spooky. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.